you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of, uh, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. I know you'll remember from last week, but I'll read that as well in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. So let's go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for the opportunity just to gather together as family and just to enjoy one another. Thank you, Lord, for the one another's, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, to have a family to be a part of to have those that will love us no matter how we are and also those that will spur us on to good works. Father, thank you, Lord, for the uh, plethora of, of uh, benefits of your family, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for it. Father, bless this word this morning, Lord. Speak to us. Help me, Lord, in my weakness to get this word out in the way that you desire, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Holy Spirit, uh, that you would use it as you desire to reveal Jesus, as you desire to each individual, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, Lord. Open our ears so that we're able to hear our hearts, so that we're able to uh, really receive, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, and I pray in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So last week we began talking about uh, Jesus' first message as he came out of the wilderness. And if you remember, it's in different Gospels, it's different. But I really like the, the Mark uh, version that adds just a couple words there. It says, Jesus came out proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, Hey, the time's been fulfilled. Now is the Kairos moment. The kingdom of God is right here in front of you. So repent and believe. And it's that, we talked about it last week, and you can pull that sermon up. It's on the podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, you can pull it up and listen to it. But basically, it is right in front of you in that moment when the Lord says, Hey, this is the opportunity to move forward in my kingdom. And you go, Wow, okay, I am turning towards your kingdom. I'm repenting. And Lord, I'm believing that you are faithful in your promises, and I'm moving forward in what you have spoken to me. Okay? So I want to continue in that same stream, and in Ephesians then, chapter 5, we see a Paul's instruction to the church in Ephesus. The book of Ephesians is supposed to be like the perfect um, letter of instruction to the church. So it's like a very healthy, full, and uh, this is what the church is, and this is how to walk it out type Book. And so it's a great one to, when to study to understand a broad sense of the church here. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he begins to talk to them and he says, Okay, guys, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. See, unwise, they just, oh, whatever happens, there's no thought to it, there's no a thinking through, there's no a journaling, there's no going back, there's no questioning, there's no wondering, there's just whatever happens, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. It's just kind of a, oh, whatever type. That's how the Greeks lived. 
just in a case Sarah. Sarah. It, it's just the way destiny. It's just your destiny. God doesn't have destiny. He has his will for the kingdom. And that's important to distinguish and to understand. So Paul is saying, think as wise, think through and look carefully how you walk, what's going on around you. Be aware of God's movement in your life. Be a daily relationship with him, not just a check-in once a week to figure out, to check a box off. Fire insurance, doop, doop, done. Verse 16, make the best use of the kairos because the days are evil. And make the best use, it, it, that word is like redeem. Redeem the kairos because the days are evil. Make every opportunity to walk in the fullness of every God open door that's in front of you because the days are evil. Enjoy them. They're in front of you. They're there. The blessings are there. You know, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, you know, is about salvation. Verse 10 talks about that you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to be able to walk in good works that God prearranged for you to walk in. So it's like you're walking down. I don't know if you, I, I, I think in the old Atari games where they're like, boop, 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 and they're walking down, you know, and all of a sudden there's this graphic and they pick it up or they hit it and it goes doo -doo -doo -doo, and they get some points you don't it's like that is you're walking in your life and you come to this opportunity of the Lord to decide to receive the grace for that kairos moment and walk in what he has for you or for whatever reason to not see avoid walk around uh, be bitter be discouraged whatever reason not to receive and not walk in Okay, so these kairos moments are there for you in these graces for you to be able to walk in the goodness of the Lord in the various areas of your life. So Paul encourages them to redeem the kairos because the days are evil. It's bad enough as it is, guys, out there. So when you have the opportunity to redeem a kairos, man, do it. These aren't condemning words of what is wrong with you, why don't you. These are words of encouragement to uh, build you up. These are prophetic words to build you up so that when you walk in and you reach a circumstance, it pops in your mind, okay, Lord, you knew about this circumstance before, so there must be a, this is a kairos moment for me to be able to see your provision, your answer, your wisdom, your... And choose to walk in it to get a testimony of the beauty of Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? Making the best use of every Kairos moment because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Foolish is just like, well, I guess whatever happens, happens. There is no God. Or if he is, he just meets me on Sunday. You know, he's not here today where I am. Don't be foolish in the midst of where you are. Verse 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Now, I understand we all walk through various, very difficult and complex issues at times where it's like, wow, God, this one, I do not understand how your will can be accomplished in this way in any way, shape, or form. But let me assure you that the Lord has an answer for that moment. No matter how complex the enemy has laid out the cards or the situation, the Lord has an answer for that particular moment so that you can walk through in peace. That doesn't mean that everything just becomes wonderful like a 30-minute sitcom where everybody ends at the end of the 30 minute with, gee, Dad, isn't everything wonderful? But it means that in the moment of that storm, you can be laying next to Jesus in the boat because you know this storm ain't going to kill you. So may you see that. May you see the movement and the will of the Lord for where you are right now. Verse 18 He says, so guys, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or it leads to debauchery. Don't uh, be so far out of your ability to understand what God is doing, whatever that is. Now, this says don't be drunk with wine, but you could throw in there, uh, don't throw yourself into, escape into X, Y, or Z, whatever that is, which leads to you moving away from the will of God and into whatever that is. It just isn't good for you. It doesn't bring health to your life. It, uh, well, you guys know, whether it's destroying your health or destroying your soul uh, or destroying your relationships, all of these things, whatever it is, don't, don't fall into that. But it says the better thing to do is be filled with the Spirit. Now, I like this word filled because it's the word topped off. So, like my coffee cup right now is about half full. So the original word in Acts 2-4 where it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, is an empty coffee cup that is filled up. This word here is a different word in the Greek, and it means to take up that half-filled cup and fill it up to the brim, to top it off. Pretty good, right? So what it's saying is, as you're coming through life, as you're walking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as you're walking down these, don't go, wow, this situation's so hard, I'm just going to escape into, because I can't deal with it. It's saying, come on, look to the Lord, and like David did at the battle of uh, Ziklag, Ziklag, where he said that David strengthened himself in the Lord, and David began to worship the Lord and strengthen himself. David is refilling up his cup so out of that he can then hear and respond to the situation one of my uh, good friends that I have uh, grown up in my salvation with and he's been a friend for years I'd say he's the he's probably my pastor in that sense he's the one that's known me from the beginning, from the date of salvation on, and he pastors a church in Alabama. I can remember being with him in a situation. Uh, I was 15 or 16. He was in his, I think he's 10 years older than me, so he'd be in his mid to later uh, 20s. We were in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, 
He just said, you know, Matt, I, I really just need to seek the Lord and just spend some time. So he just began. He said, you drive. And so we were driving in the hills of the Appalachian Mountains, which is a step of faith by itself as me as a 16-year-old driving in the Appalachian Mountains. And he just began. He stuck on one of those old Integrity Hosanna uh, cassette tapes. That's how this is back in the 80s. Shove that in there, you know, and it's uh, one of those songs. Uh, on Thursday, we've been playing them, the old Integrity Hosanna during Hope Rocks. And it's just kind of fun because I'm like, I know the words to all these songs from so long ago. But he began, and he just began to worship the Lord in the passenger seat next to me. Because he had reached a point of concern about where he was going. He was upset and did not know what the Lord had for him. And he was modeling for me without trying to model, because I've seen him do this a million times, Ziklag. And going to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to get my cup filled up. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. You know that old song? You probably don't, but it's an old song. Getting his cup filled so that he has the ability to look at the situation and go, Jesus, what are you doing? What is your grace for this Kairos moment? And then out of that, you can walk in easily, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody uh, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one another out of reverence for Christ. You do all of that because your cup is full. If you do it out of any other reason, it's either totally by faith or you're being religious. When my cup is full, I usually am walking around singing. I don't know if you know that or not, but anybody that works with me knows that. Yeah, I tend to always be humming and singing and making melody in my heart because my cup is full. When my cup is not full, I am usually very quiet. Unless it's one of those moments when it's just not appropriate to sing. Don't get me wrong. I don't like at a funeral, la, 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 la. No, I don't do that. I, 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 am, I am balanced and know how to walk things out. My point being is that you have to be able to minister and to love. And, and I'm using minister not as uh, this occupational stuff. I'm talking about being at Walmart, checkout. You know, to have a Walmart checkout story, you've got to have your cup full. You know, if your cup's not full, you're like, what's the problem with this lady? You know, <laughs> I can't wait to get out of here. Because your cup isn't full and you've shifted in the situation away from seeing the goodness of the Lord. And in the Kairos moment, you're not redeeming. You're being focusing on, man, the days are evil. Wow, the days are evil. So this isn't to condemn and don't be condemned because it's not a word of condemnation. It's a word to encourage you that there is a way for you to meet these opportunities. And you can grow and get better and better and better at it to meet these opportunities in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Whew. Thank you, Lord. So redeem the Kairos moments. I saw this, uh, I saw this post, and I thought it was kind of cool. So I don't know who this guy is. Um, his name is Thomas Baird. I, I don't know him, but I, it was just showed up in my Twitter feed. He said, the very first time I noticed God, I was six or seven years old, and I was stumbling through the woods 
After a particularly hard beatdown I received from my dad for giving the chickens too much feed. I remember feeling a strong presence next to me as I ran through the trees. And I stopped to see who it was, but no one was there. I suddenly realized it was Jesus. I remember days earlier, a frail old lady in a teeny mountain church had taught me that Jesus looks for his lost sheep. Sunday school teachers for the very young have a bigger impact on children than folks realize. They are truly the saints of God. My point is, God has not left you. God is with you. You're no different than this guy. I remember the first time I felt the presence of the Lord in that sense. I was 10 years old. I was in my grandma, my mama's kitchen in, in Purvis, Mississippi. And my mama, I told you this story before, but mama and mom and Aunt Tip and Aunt Pearl, uh, all holiness Pentecostal ladies, we're singing, uh, Oh, How I Love Jesus. 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 Because he first loved me. I don't know if you know that song. It's an old song. But, of course, they were crooning. Are you familiar with crooning? Oh, how I love Jesus. But it was a style of, of singing. And they were singing. And man, I was sitting on the floor, tile floor. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord filled the room. And all I could do was cry. And I was ashamed that I was crying because I didn't know why I was crying. And so I crawled underneath the kitchen table and just wept hysterically. Underneath the kitchen table because I felt this beautiful presence of love that I had never felt before. And it's, as you see, here I'm 52, it stuck out in my mind. So the presence of the Lord, it was a kairos moment for the Lord to imprint on me, Matt, I see you. I think the Lord has that for every single one of us. If we think back, we will realize, oh, that was you, wasn't it, Lord? And so I ask you, have you felt the Lord's love and presence? You know, in Psalms 23, David is singing and writing about him experiencing kairos moments in his life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, how can he say that? Because he's experienced it. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember when that big bear came and tried to kill me? I will fear no evil. Why? Because, man, God, you're with me. In those Kairos moments, I have seen you move. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Man, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life because you're walking in it, and it's following you like a wave wapping behind you. The scent of Jesus and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, this is that kairos moment that's available to you. When you come into it, oftentimes it is a little bit of uh, understanding the repent and believe. Now, I don't want you to get tripped up because possibly you're sitting there going, 
well, you know, maybe that happened to him, but uh, that's never happened to me, or I've never experienced that, or it doesn't happen that easy for me, or, or whatever. I want you to understand this morning, this would be my second point, if you're keeping track, that Jesus is the equalizer. Jesus is no respecter of person. He meets everyone where they are, and he brings it down to equal. Now, does that mean everything in society is equal? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the way Jesus relates to you is no different than the way he's going to relate to someone else. The opportunities are all there. And I was thinking about this. Did Jesus minister to the poor? Did Jesus minister to the rich? You know, to both of them, he said, be generous and trust God as your source. You remember the widow's mite? He pointed out that she had been extremely generous and gave all she had. To Zacchaeus, he said, be fair and give back, make amends. And Zacchaeus went and gave, took all of his money on and went out and gave it. It, don't ma- it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't make a difference. Jesus has words for you this morning for the Kairos moment. Jesus ministered to the, Jesus ministered to the absolute lowest of society. And he ministered to the upper class of leaders. By minister, I mean he spoke to. Whether or not they received it was up to them. But he spoke to both of them. To the leper, he spoke. To Nicodemus, who was the head of the Sanhedrin, he spoke. He also spoke to the high priest and to Herod and to Pontius Pilate. He spoke to all of them as well. They weren't quite as open as Nicodemus was. And he spoke to the lowest of the low socially, basically saying, you know, woman at the well, I don't care what everyone else thinks or how they put their value system You're important to me, and I've actually gone out of my way to have this conversation with you. Hey, woman called in adultery, I don't care what all these guys are placing their religious order. This is a Kairos moment because I am talking to you, and I don't care where you are. I'm talking directly to you. Hey, woman in, I think it's the city of Nan, whose son, hey, son who's dead now, I want you to understand you're important to me, and I am reaching out to you. Do you understand? Jesus acted the same way for the educated and the uneducated, male and female, servant and master, religious and non-religious, Pharisee and Sadducee, hometown person or foreigner, young or old. There really was no distinction. Jesus just met each of them and he applied his word directly to them. So no matter where you are, there are Kairos moments today for you. Because the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing is in your life. It isn't this separate organizational thing that you have to go and be a part of. The kingdom of God being established and expanded is in you. You are the kingdom of God, not an organization. Some man-made, created, organizational chart is not the kingdom of God. You are the kingdom of God. So if Jesus is working in the kingdom, 
That means he's working in you. Now, when we gather together, can we organize and do things? Absolutely. But the kingdom is still you. And you are what's invaluable and what's important, not the organization. Organizations come and go. God bless them. But they aren't the kingdom. They're not what brings glory to God. They're not what pleases the Lord. You are. Because you are the kingdom. You are the one who can walk in the Kairos moments. Not an organization. The prophetic promises aren't for organizations. They're for you. Wow, I, I left, so therefore I'm no longer in the will of God because I'm no longer a missionary in Russia. And God was doing really cool things there. No! Just because God was doing cool things in the 90s in Russia doesn't mean God can't be do doing cool things right now in the 2020s here in Kansas and Missouri. Because the kingdom of God is right here. The kingdom of God is right there and there and there and there and there and there and there. And those few people who are watching online, that's right there too. So what's God doing in his kingdom right now? What's the Kairos moment right in front of you? Don't distinguish yourself some way that, oh, well, I'm poor or I'm rich or I'm this or I'm that and God can't use me. I'm single, I'm married, i am got kids, don't have kids. No, it's right now where you are, what's God doing? He loves doing it. He's so excited, he enjoys it. I hope you're hearing me this morning. Sometimes what the Lord is doing in his kingdom is building it. Now remember, you're the kingdom. Okay? And he has faithfully said that whatever I begin, I am faithful to complete. Okay? That's a promise to you individually. And I think it's in the book of Jude. Sorry, I don't have my reference this morning. It's fallen off the back of my head. But it says that... Um, he is faithful to complete it. Which means it's not based on your faithfulness, it's based on his faithfulness, and that's what you can rest on. Okay? So, as he's building, Ephesians 4 says that he gives gifts to the church to help build up the church. So these various gifts are to help build you. The building means to bring into maturity. Okay? Sometimes he does that, guys, through Hebrews 12. I would say a good portion of the time he builds his kingdom through Hebrews 12. Remember when Jesus said, repent and believe? That repentance part is really Hebrews 12 as a believer. Now, if you don't know what Hebrews 12 is, it's the chapter that says God loves you enough to discipline you as a son or a daughter. He loves you enough to not leave you in the areas that are causing pain in your life, but to lead you in a way that would bring you out of it and into liberty. In the year 2000, I had been in Russia for eight years, and I'd been on the mission field. Uh, I had gone when I was 20, so I was 28. I was married now in the year 2000, and I had one, one daughter at that point. And my identity 
was pretty much based on what I experienced during those eight years, which was a lot of church success. We had planted a church, and in one week it had grown to five, six hundred people, and it stayed there, and we were known. It was a city of 500,000. Everybody knew us. I was invited to speak in schools all the time like I was somebody. I was treated like a superstar. So in the year 2000, the Lord said, actually in October of 99, He said, coming soon, Matt, you're going to begin to walk through the wine press, and, but the wine's going to be sweet, bro. And I was like, Lord, I don't know whether to thank you for this word or not, but I guess because you gave it to me, you're giving me recognition that I can understand the kairos that I'm going to be walking in. So in January of 2000 began 14 years of extreme difficulty that for the first half just kept going further and further and further down. I didn't think it could get worse, and then it was like, whoop, hold on, there's more. It was not fun. Question calling, uh, loss of promotion multiple times, struggling with my terrible attitudes, uh, stress in my marriage. We would go through a, a year or two of deep stress, then it would calm down, and then the stress of life would bring it back up again. I had personal doubt. I was dealing with uh, depression, uh, loss of anything. I went from being known and be like, I was talking to the governor of the entire state in meetings to nobody knew me, nobody cared, and it was just, that's the way I felt. I mean, people did care, but, you know, I went, I went, I swung to the, uh, who are you again? What did you do? Who, oh, I, yeah, whatever. And it was great for me. Don't get me wrong. At the time, it was extremely painful. But, man, I look back at it now, and I go, thank you, Jesus, for that Hebrews 12. Because I would be an utter mess had I not experienced the Hebrews 12 Kairos moment to walk through that time period. You probably wouldn't want me as your pastor. I'm sure I was pompous, arrogant. My faith thing was off. My belief that if you weren't in ministry, you weren't really good for anything. Ooh, is that horrible? But, you know, it's not like I came right out and said that. It was a subtle belief in, in the background. And it would come out in things that you say. And so when, <laughs> I can remember it, the anniversary trip that we were on in Chicago, when Jill said, I think we just need to leave the ministry totally for a season. And I was like, I'm so angry, I don't even know how to talk to you. Because that, that to me is like falling completely in sin and giving up on God. But after some prayer, uh, I found out, man, my wife was completely right. And I left any kind, of, any kind of ministry. We left for two years, and I really didn't do much for about four. And then the Lord started opening doors again. But during that time period, I just worked, and I worked as many jobs, whatever I could do, and I learned what it meant to be just normal in life and detox from what I experienced in Russia, detox from all the bad. 
I still appreciate the Lord from the good and all that he did, but detox, detox from all of the bad attitudes and the pride and the arrogance and all the things that were mixed up in that that wasn't Jesus. See, that whole time period, that 14 years, was a Kairos moment that I came up to. We like to talk about the Kairos moments that are like, woo, victory! But I can tell you, those 14 years, I can tell you, victory! I got authority in the name of Jesus because of what I walked through. I know He is faithful. And I know He loves me even if I do nothing more with the gospel, no more preaching, leave the ministry. He loves me down in my core. Because my relationship with Him is not based on what I do. It is based on who I am. That's that kairos. It's worth it, guys. Reinhard Bonnke, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. He was a great evangelist. I, I like the guy. Uh, I followed his ministry because he kind of came popular in the 80s and stayed on. And he used to say this thing. We would mo not mock him. We would copy him. It was, uh, Africa will be saved. And he would say this with this. He had a German accent. But one of the things that he said that had stuck with me in my life, he said, whenever you reach these kairos moments, these opportunities, you can choose to either get better or get bitter. Let me say that again just in case. He said, whenever you come up to these kairos moment situations, that when it's a kairos moment that isn't what you expected, you can either choose to get better and that's by getting your eyes on God and saying, okay, God, this is not what I expect. I choose to trust in your goodness. I choose to uh, walk with you until I understand what is going on. Or I can choose to get bitter and just question everything and, oh, this is all fake. God doesn't love me. Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. and you get bitter and you close off to the grace. You either open yourself up to the grace or you close off to the grace. We have these opportunities all the time. I can tell you during those 14 years, <laughs> it was a toss-up several times. I was like, okay, God, since you hate me so much, I'm just giving up. I mean, it's obvious that you hate me because of all the bad things that are happening in my life, you know. Okay, I'm the only one that's ever experienced that, and that's fine. That's fine. But redeeming the kairos is saying, Lord, I choose to trust that I am your son. And though I do not understand this pain, I look for your good hand to bring in me the holiness. Now, holiness, in my old terminology, was just about you're not sinning. And I have far moved off of that. To Holiness is being like Jesus, being free. You know, it's not me overcoming temptation as much as my heart changing so much that I'm not even tempted anymore. It's to the place of understanding, of seeing the faithful presence of the Lord, the faithful love of the Lord, the faithful provision of the Lord, the faithful peace of the Lord, the faithful healing of the Lord, the faithful maturity of the Lord, that He is good, that there is good fruit that there is freedom in Christ. It was a long walk, and it was difficult, but it was well worth it. Would I go through it again? Whoo! Lord, give me strength. If it would get me closer to Jesus, then yes, Lord, I'm willing to do it. But man, that was not fun.
But the Kairos moments are there to receive the presence of the Lord in the midst of the storm. That was point three. Point four, if you're keeping track. Within Hebrews, there's this cool verse. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Hebrews 11, 11. Oh, yeah, I got tons of time. Okay, great. It says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the kairos. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. I love that. That was encouraging to me. Because we get this idea of, okay, we come to the kairos, and then uh, if we choose to go past it, it's just too late. And no, it's not. God is able, and when we have our eyes on Him, because He's the one that does it, there is the point of our obedience, and there's the point of the Lord working. And it's just like, okay, Lord, I just give it all to you. I've screwed up, but I give it all to you, and I know that you are faithful and you promised. So, Lord, just as Sarah, you conceive these Isaacs in my life, that you promised you would do. I received the grace. And the Lord's like, okay, there you go. <laughs> and you got that little Isaac that you're learning to walk with now. The Lord is faithful. Learning to trust the faithfulness of the Lord. He is so faithful. Sometimes we don't see it and we trust in the Lord, and that's important. But the Lord is able to do things far beyond we, what we desire. I recently heard a story that I thought was uh, pretty cool because I can relate to it. There was a mission group over in uh, the Siberian area of Russia, and they were uh, building a church, like physically building the building for a small church there, and they were going out to the former gulags. Gulags are the concentration camps that the Communist Party had out in the rural regions of Siberia where they would send the political prisoners, and they would just work there until they died. They were called gulags. So uh, they were going out to the gulags and tearing down the buildings, the gulag buildings, and taking those stones and bricks, whatever they were, it was probably bricks, and going back and building the church building with those bricks. Because they thought, well, that's pretty cool. We're, we're, we're turning a concentration camp into a church. And so they get all the way down, and they're, you know, they're digging this stuff out, and they come upon a can, and inside the can is a note written in Russian. And they're like, wow, this is really cool. So they take it to the pastor. They say, hey, look what we found at the side of the gulag, down in the dirt underneath the foundation of, this, of the gulag that we were digging out. And on the note, wouldn't you know what it says? It says, we're a group of believers who were forced to disassemble our church building and build the gulag with the bricks from our church. And so we have assembled to pray together that the Lord would one day tear down this gulag and use it to build a church again. I'm like, whoa, dude, that's so cool. 
I love the way God works. It's those kairos moments. I can choose to get better and trust the Lord in the midst of it and say, Lord, I may never see the fulfillment of what I'm desiring, but I trust that you are faithful. Jesus is faithful. That testimony to us is a testimony of the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus is so faithful, guys. Trust him. Trust him right now as he's building the kingdom in your life. Trust him that he will continue to be faithful even when you aren't able to see the results of the prayer, of the decisions, of the faith. Trust him. God is good. Man, he loves you. You're the kingdom. He loves you. You're his children. He loves you. Let me pray for you this morning. I encourage you, whatever kairos you are in, take the time to understand what the Lord is doing in your life right now. When you come to those kairos moments, say, Lord, give me the grace to receive. Redeem it. And walk in the God's faithfulness, whether you see or don't see. Father, I pray, Lord, for my uh, brothers and sisters here, Lord, your beautiful kingdom, Lord, your beautiful church, your beautiful bride, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the honor and privilege of just sharing my life with them, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in each of their lives, Lord. I bless them this morning. I know you bless them, Lord. I know you love them right where they are, where they are a light in the world that they interact in, Lord beautiful mission field that you've placed them each individually in, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for it. I ask you, Lord, to uh, encourage them, and in each situation, Father, give them the wisdom to see each Kairos moment, Father. Help them, Lord, for things that seem long past to trust in your faithfulness to fulfill, Lord. Help them never to get bitter, Lord, but to always get better. I pray, Lord, for those who've, who've struggled and, and moved toward bitterness, Father, that you would help them, Lord, to surrender, even to the point of saying, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. I'm willing to make forward if you give me the desire to be willing. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Lord, I ask you, Father, to help them, Lord. I know you deeply love them, Lord. Jesus, you love these people. Thank you for the beautiful work that you're doing, Lord. And thank you, Lord, of the promise of Matthew 18. Not only, do, Matthew 28, I'm sorry. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Not only are you sending us out in the world, Lord, but you promised you would be with us everywhere we go. I thank you, Lord, that you're with this beautiful body everywhere they go. Let them see your, your presence, Father. Let them sense you with them, Lord. I bless them in Jesus' name.